Come on, every week we are blessed with an incredible team. Uh, one day I hope to join it, and uh, that will be a bad day for all of you, uh, but it'll be a great day for me. But we're, uh, you know, as Benji already said, we're on a journey as a church. Maybe if you're jo joining us for the first time tonight, I guess to catch you up a little bit. Uh, really, as a church, you've been on this journey, you've been on, on this series of talks called The One Another, uh, really an understanding that ministry is, or oh, God's design on church was never meant to be for one person to minister to many, but the many to minister to many, that each and every one of us have been called to impact and reach out to the one another's in our world. And as we do so, uh, we can see the kingdom of God advance at a rate like never before. Anyone believe that? Come on, anyone agree with that tonight? Come on, here at Equipus Church, we are responsive people, amen? Amen. But hey, this week, just in thinking that this week, uh, being up on campus for a few days with some of the team, it's orientation week. We got any Auckland Uni students in the room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> any AUT students in the room? Yeah, there we go, there we go. That were the people that couldn't get into Auckland Uni. Uh, and I was one of them, that's why I can say that. Um, but that's why all the rowdy ones end up in AUT. Uh, we got any Auckland Uni people in the room? Uh, any Auckland Uni alumni in the room? Yeah, we, I knew we had a few out there, but we've been up there on campus all week long and uh, really, uh, you know, great opportunity. God's open doors, you know, just be able to be, able to be out on campus and connect and really left this week. You know, we, as a church, you know, we, we have a trust called the Revolution Tour, which goes in and serves high school students, goes in and now serves uni students and how we can support and bring hope and bring life into those environments, but really an open door just for the church to also have a presence on campus this year, which has been incredible. And just up there all week long, just handing out coffee, because that seems to be what we do well in church. Uh, and just up there all week long, just handing out coffee, uh, you know, just just a, a real open environment about who we are as a church and just connecting and having conversations. And I kind of left the week at the end, uh, at the end of the week, kind of both, both inspired and disturbed at the same time. I, I was inspired by the amount of conversations that were managed to have by the team and the different connections that were taking place. Just, you know, a few hundred people, just significant conversations about faith, significant conversations about church, about where people are at with God and, and where they're at with church. I remember having one conversation with a girl, uh, her, and, her and her friend came to the tent and just asked them, hey, have you ever had a church background? And she goes, yeah, actually, I kind of grew up in church, went to youth ministry, did the whole thing. But she went, and I go, oh, well, kind of what happened? And she's like, I don't know, I never really thought about it, to be honest. And she goes, I guess when I joined uni, I just slowly drifted. And uh, she's third year now and was just like, man, I've actually drifted further. You know, just in our conversation, the realization in the heart, she's, she's drif drifted further than she even realized. And just this desire to want to reconnect and, and left a week just, just, just inspired. Uh, by what God can do through a conversation. Uh, what God can do when someone's just willing to open up the conversation and go, hey, have you ever been to church before? And uh, I, I, left, I left incredibly inspired, but at the same time, I kind of left, left disturbed in one way uh, because although we connected with hundreds, the reality is, is we saw thousands just across campus walking past. 
and just looking across campus and just seeing, you know, just on one campus alone, just thousands of people. And I remember leaving uh, on, on the Tuesday in particular quite disturbed because I, I, I just been looking out that morning across the campus and just being, man, there's so many people that are, are living a life less than what God designed them for. Not, you know, not so much just about filling buildings, but the reality of, of there's so many people that need to come to know the love and the goodness of God. And just left kind of kind of grappling with the, with the scale of the need of people that just need to know Jesus, just need to know of His love. I'm just so thankful for what God's done in my life. I pray if you're in this seat and you know Jesus, you're so thankful for what God's done in your life. But at the same way, are kind of gripped by the reality is there's just so many people that don't know of the love, the goodness, the kindness, the grace, the destiny, the purpose, the hope that's found in Jesus. I remember one night kind of lying in bed and just thinking about it and being like, God, the, the job's so big. Like the job's just so big. Like, like I can only hand out so many com- coffees. It's like, more can only make so much coffees at one time. But the job, so, there's so many to reach. And, and if we just rely on, a, 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 I guess, a church model where it's just on Sundays, we just rely on a preacher to try and minister to many. The job is big. The job is vast. The job will, but, but as a church, if we adopt the reality that this is not, that's not the only thing church is called to be, but church is called to be a group of people, a group of believers that get a hold of God for ourselves. And go, now there's some one another's in my world there's some one another's in my world that I'm called to lift I'm called to build I'm called to and together if we just adopt this whole principle of we're all called to the one another's in our world well the job in my mind just started to get a whole lot smaller because if I just reach to the few and you reach to the few and together we reach to the few we could touch the many and God's not so much just looking for one person to touch many but calling the many to touch a few And uh, what could happen in our city? What could happen in our church? What could happen in our nation? If the church more and more just got hold of the concept that we're we're called, an individual might, an individual's passion, an individual's gift, an individual's enthusiasm towards the gospel could could spark the many, but it's going to take the many to reach the many. People can be catalysts, but the reality is God's called the body. God's called the church, and this one another series is really just on the heart of Sam, is, is how do we ensure that the body is functioning? Because if the body functions, the city can be touched, amen? Amen, and you know, just got looking through the fact that we are, we are all called to ministry. We are called to the ministry, you know, we know that means the work of service. Uh, we're called to the ministry of reconciliation, of reconciling humanity back to the Father in heaven. Uh, we're called, but... Really, at the end of the day, the cross and what Jesus done for us and what God done for us on that cross should not just be an event we look back on and go, thank you, Jesus, that one's awesome. And then just carry on. It should not just be a symbol we hang on our neck or a picture we have on our wall. The cross, the cross isn't just an event that happened at a period of time. But what Jesus done on the cross should affect every, every part of our being, the way we think, the way we love, the, the way our heart reacts towards things. The cross should actually take a deep effect on our life. That before the cross, I thought away, I lived away, I chased selfish ambition, I went after certain things. But now I've met the cross and the reality of Jesus. It should shift everything in my world. It should actually have an impact that, that changes. And so, so the question really you've got to pose to yourself now and again is, come on, because of the cross, 
What's the reality of the cross in your life? What's the reality of Jesus at work in your heart? How is it shifting and changing your motives, your ambitions, your ability to love, your ability to care, your ability to even what you chase after? You know, there's a scripture that Ben even referenced in his joke earlier on, but John 13 verse 35, we find the scripture that we've come to know in the series, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This, this scripture is in the context of Jesus sitting his disciples down and as clear as he can saying, hey, I've got to let you know, I'm going away. And where I'm going, you can't come just yet. And he's going through and he's talking to them about how he's going to go on the cross and he's talking about how he's got to leave and he's talking about salvation. And, the, and in the midst of it, in the midst of talking about what the cross is going to do for everyone in there, that I, my father has many rooms, he, goes, he, he adds this thing and he goes, hey, I'm going to go, but everybody Everybody's going to know you because of your love for one another. The defining, the defining factor about our community that's going to be different to any other community in society is not just our faith, not just our passion, not just our belief. It's actually our love. Jesus said, I'm going to go, but the defining factor on the community of believers that is going to set us apart from everything else is the love of that is in this place. The love is the defining factor in our faith. Not even our passion, not, not how good our music is. Not our faith, but our love. Our love for one another. You know, in the time where he's projecting this death and resurrection, he says, hey, the the, the thing that's going to bring light to what I carry and who I am is your love to one another. The message to the world that's going to speak the loudest is, is the love within your community. And, you know, even in 1 John 3 verse 14, we find this. It says, we will know, we know that we have passed from death to life because of the love we have for one another. The love is a defining factor in being a light into the world around us. I love the fact that Jesus was committed to salvation. He was committed to the will of God. But, but even in the death and the resurrection, Jesus had such a strong commitment to making sure the body of believers lived with a heart for one another. Because the salvation is going to be a moment, but it's the community that we're a part of, which is actually going to reconcile people to the, who God's called them to be. He goes, I need to ensure we have the, they have the significance of salvation, the cross. But before I go, I've also got to make sure we leave behind a community that loves, encourages, builds, uplifts, spurs people on in such a way that they can. The cross is, the cross is significant. The cross is everything. But even Jesus going, I need to make sure that it doesn't just stop at the cross. But there's a community people can step into where they can be lifted to everything I've called them to be. Now the cross and so Jesus kind of gives us the Bible, the New Testament, gives us a, as a, an example some, some things about this community that God's called us to be, this church, this, this community of believers. And he says, we've got to love one another. We've got to serve one another. We've got to forgive one another. We've got to honor one another. And then the, kind of the last thing in all of that, he says, then you've got to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another. So be a loving, serving, honoring, forgiving 
And just the last thing, make sure as a community, we're a community that builds people. That calls to the God destiny inside somebody and says, come on, there's more in you. There's greatness in you. There's, there's big things in you. Come on, God's called you to be someone big. The nature of this community is to have all these aspects. And I guess tonight I just want to touch in on the last thing, which is simply the need to have a community that knows how to call out the God destiny in somebody. That somebody can walk into our environment and encounter Jesus, but step into a community that goes, hey, I just want you to realize there's a great call on your life. There's a great plan on your life. I know your upbringing might have said this, but you just got to realize God says a whole nother thing. You will value, you will worth something. The kind of community. We make a commitment as a church to be the kind of community that's committed to building people, to calling out of people, the God destiny inside of them. Uh, I guess when you look at encouragement, there's a, there's a few things within the nature of it. And I guess one of the things is encouragement does call to the true value in somebody. Looks past everything else and calls to the true value in somebody. It says, I'm going to call that out. I'm going to encourage that out of you. I love in Proverbs 12, verse 25, it says, Worry weighs down a person, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Now, one thing encouragement does is what it does is it, it just lifts people. It takes the weight off people. When we see someone down, disheartened, someone worried, just a simple word of encouragement can lift a weight off somebody. I wonder if we can commit to being the kind of community that every time we come together in our e-groups, every time we come together at a church, every time we come and meet in a space together, that we're the kind of community that's committed to lifting weights off people. Hey, I just want to let you know you're awesome. I know stuff's going on right now, but I just want to encourage you. We're standing with you. We're praying with you. We're believing with you. Develop the kind of community that we walk into the space and it's just, oh man, a weight lifted off me. Man, I just got to get to that environment because whenever I get to e-group or whenever I get to church, I just walk out lighter. I walk out lighter because I, I, I realize there's a whole room of people here that are encouraging me, champion. It, 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 it lifts weight. It builds people. It builds people. It reminds them. It reminds them of who God's called them to be. One thing encouragement does is it, it pushes people to just keep on going. It pushes people to just keep on going. You know, I went to the gym twice, and um, and uh, we'll leave it there. But uh, I just want to let you know, I went to the gym twice. But no, uh, can you tell? Uh, so I'm like, yeah, you can tell. Uh, no, I, I went with Tavita Ty. I don't know if he's here. Um, he's here this morning. And uh, you know, one thing I I, I loved and, and and hated about that experience. Um, probably why I haven't gone back is how much he works you. Uh, but what I love about Tavita is why he works you hard. He constantly encourages you. And uh, it's the encouragement of having him next to you that pushes you to work out harder than you can by yourself. Uh, it's a lot easier for me to go for a run down the road and end up at the dairy when I go running alone. Uh, but that doesn't seem to happen when I go running with someone else. Why? Because there's someone there to encourage encourage me further. I've come to realize even in this walk with God, alone I can only get so far. Alone I can only push out so much in faith. Alone, alone. I, I love the fact, you know, I, you know, I've been a youth pastor now for 10 years. Uh, but the whole time in that journey, I've had Benji and Carl and different guys alongside me, Esther, that's just encouraged to keep on pushing forward, to keep on 
stretching out to keep. And there's only so far you can go alone. But when you have people alongside you that are committed to encouraging you forward, you can go further than you'll ever go by yourself. And that's such a great thing to receive. But I wonder how much even of a greater thing it is to be able to give it to somebody. To go, you know what? My life is dedicated to helping others go forward, to helping others move forward. Oh, we all love receiving it. But come on. That's a, that's a time check. Just hurry, hurry along. Uh, one thing Hebrews thir- 3 verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. So that none of you may be hindered by sin's deceitfulness. Encouragement also helps us to steer from sin, steer from destruction. You know, I wonder if we're the kind of community that can look over at friends, look over at people and be honest enough to go, hey man, there's more for you than that. Come on, you're greater than that. You know, I hate to be the kind of community that kind of waits till somebody makes a mistake and goes, yeah, I saw that coming. Oh, yeah, no, I knew. I could see I could see that. It's like, no, let's be the kind of community that why it's still called today. We encourage one another further. We don't just sit on our idea, uh, seeing, uh, I know they had that attitude, and I knew that was going to end up like that. It's like, well, why don't we go tap them on the shoulder and just say, hey, I want to encourage you. Come on, there's more. You can keep pushing. Not be a community that sits back, but why it's today we take action. But, uh, You know, James 3 verse 18 in the message version says this, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results. I don't know about you, that's the community I want to be a part of. Healthy, robust, that lives and enjoys the results of God in it. That sounds exciting to me. And it says, only if you work hard at getting along with one another, treating one another with dignity and honor. You can enjoy the community God has in store for us, but only if we're committed to working hard. You know, this, this in, in James uh, 3.18, that's the last scripture in the book of James, uh, in, in, in the chapter 3. But what, what James 3 starts out, James is quite a direct kind of writer. And what he starts out kind of writing is, is the preference to the scripture, the pre-context of the scriptures. He's talking about words and wisdom. And he's talking about how we need to make sure we're using our words with God's wisdom. And then if we use words with wisdom, we find the scripture that says, and then you could enjoy the kind of robust, healthy community. But that's linked to how we use our, James even writes and says, you praise God, but you curse people. With the same tongue. But he doesn't just say people, he says you praise God, and then you curse God's children. He says, we need to learn how to use our words with wisdom. And if we used our words right, we could actually develop the kind of community that is robust, healthy, and experiences everything God's gotten for us. You know, I doubt there's a person in this room, yeah, no, encouragement, that's not a good idea. (laughs) I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt tonight, you're all good people. If you're not, I, I, hope, I hope I don't offend you, um, but I'm, I'm just giving you the benefit of the doubt, you're a good person. And uh, I'm sure we're all sitting here just going, yeah, you know, it's a good reminder, encourage, encourage, it's a good reminder. 
And uh, not a person in here is probably arguing with that fact that we should be an encouraging people. And for, for a lot of you, it's not even revelation, the idea that God's called us to be an encouraging, building community. But I, I just quickly want to look at a couple of biblical uh, characters that kind of just show the power of when encouragement is harnessed, what it can release. You know, and the first one is uh, the apostle named Joseph uh, in Acts, uh, in, in the book of Acts in chapter 4 and 36, it says, for instance, there was Joseph, one of the apostles, nicknamed Barnabas, and then it says, which means the son of encouragement. Now, something about Barnabas' life caused the, 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 the apostles to look and go, that name doesn't quite fit you. Joseph doesn't really describe who you truly are. Actually, son of encouragement is more act. I, I don't know if you had a nickname growing up. Anyone have a nickname growing up? Matt, what was your nickname? May, <laughs> all right, it makes no sense, but that was his nickname, and I, I often made like, made like servant, like a maid, or, M-A-D-E, oh, I guess, an Aussie thing, all right, and uh, I don't know if you had a, had a nickname growing up, I only once ever had a nickname, Scott's kind of short, so I don't really need one, um, and if you nickname Scott, you got to extend it, so it doesn't really make sense. Um, and I remember, I'm now, it might be hard to tell, but I'm quite pale. Um, might, you might be surprised by that reality, but I got fair skin. And now me and the sun don't have a good relationship because of that. And I look at the sun, the sun burns me. Uh, that's kind of how it works. And now there's those people in life who go out in the sun and they get sunburned and they're like, oh, we're going to be, we're going to be tan tomorrow. It's awesome. And that's not reality for me. If I go out in the sun and I get burned, it's like, oh yeah, in three days I'm gonna look like I got a disease. And my skin's <laughs> gonna start falling off. And then I just go whiter because the new skin underneath. And so it kind of has the opposite effect in my life. And I turned up year eight, started a new school, a uh, small town called Waitakarudu. Uh, and uh, I turned up on my first day and the teacher was fit, uh, like start of school, so February and the sun, me and the sun had a long summer together. Uh, so it was a bit of an awful time on my face. It was a bit red, a bit of white, it was a bit appealing. It looked awesome. Uh, and so I turned up on my first day of school, kind of pink, kind of red, kind of white. And uh, I, the teacher goes, why don't you introduce yourself to the school? And I go, my name's Scott. And she goes, well, can you tell me your last name? Now, back then, I went by my, my mother's last name uh, when I was going through primary and intermediate. And so my last name then I was referred to now I'm a book. But back then, I was referred to as a Trenworth. And so I get up, nervous kid, 12 years old in front of a new school. And I go, my name's Trenworth. But I kind of stumble. And someone in the crowd yells out, turnip. And, uh, <laughs> and then so for my whole year eight uh, era, I was nicknamed Turnip, uh, which, you know, I didn't know what a term Turnip was back then, so I looked it up, and they were kind of red, kind of white, and I was like, oh, it kind of makes sense. Uh, and, and why? Because, uh, because a, nick a nickname, a nickname is often given to somebody because there's something. Now, I know there's people out there that like to give themselves nicknames. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they call me Beast. It's like, who? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so, but true nicknames uh, are really an identifier of, of a nature characteristic or, a, or, or, or something, a dude that's half sunburnt and his face is falling off. And uh, you'll find Barnabas is in a, a group of apostles and they go, man, I know you're called Joseph, but that does not describe you. Actually, oh man, Barnabas, every time we're near you, we just feel lifted. 
every time we're around you, it's just like we can do more. We feel better about ourselves. I don't know if you've ever gone and had a coffee with someone or caught up with someone. who I've got a guy in my world who, who doesn't go to our church, goes to another church, but he's such an encourager. Like, I walk away just feeling like the man. I just walk away like, man, I am awesome. Uh, <laughs> He's just got that ability about him. And so, like, I regularly schedule coffees with him. Because uh, <laughs> I feel better about myself. And then Barnabas is here, and I just like, Barnabas, you just make everyone just, and so the name and encouragement. But then in Acts 9, verse 26, you kind of see this outworking. This is talking about when the Saul, who used to persecute, is now being saved. And... Um, used to persecute the Christians, started a little bit of ministry, and then comes to meet with the apostles for the first time. And it says in Acts 9, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how he had spoken to Saul. He also told them, about how Saul preached the preached boldly the name of Jesus. You have a situation where Paul's trying to meet with the believers, but they don't because of because of who Saul was and because of what Saul had done, they're all looking at that and going, that guy is not a good guy. But then he meets Barnabas, and Barnabas looks past that and sees who God's called uh, Saul to be. And he brings him out before the apostles and says, I know you see what Paul has done, but I'm just here to tell you who Paul is. And calls to the person and he, in front of the crowd, just encourages and calls out. Not what Saul had done, but who God had created Saul to be. And I look at that and go, man, if I could dedicate my life to being that guy, oh, I'll give up on being Saul if I can just be Barnabas. Be able to call people forward and say, that's the God destiny inside you. I'm going to look at what you're doing. I'm not going to be tripped up by who you're not and the mess. I'm going to be someone who lifts you. And then we find this, this, this point where in Acts 13, the, the Spirit comes on the meeting uh, and speaks and, and says, set Barnabas and Saul aside. You know, when God, we all know Paul or Saul, his name changes in the Bible. It's such a great man of faith, the founder of the church, the builder of, of a lot of what we know. He, he spread the gospel in the areas. He stood against persecution. He he, he just a great man of faith. Saul in the New Testament is just all over that thing. Just a great hero and champion of our faith. And when God's calling Saul out on some ministry, he goes, I know I'm sending Saul to do a great thing, but what I need to do is I need to partner him with someone. I need a partner. He doesn't find someone who just has a gift of faith or, 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 or whatnot. He goes, no, I need to find, I need Barnabas. Because I know there's a destiny on Saul's life, but it's Barnabas which is going to enable Saul. That's going to be in Saul's corner when, they, when he's faced and being beaten. There's, there's Barnabas that is able to come in and go, come on, man, let's go again. I know that kind of hurt. Well, let's go again. Come on, you got it. God's called you. God chose to not just uh, release, release Paul, but he chose to partner him with Barnabas. And it was the, I wonder what Saul would have become without Barnabas. We don't really know because the encourager is often not seen. The encourager isn't very often talked about, but I can guarantee the effect of Barnabas released the potential inside of Paul. 
And what would it be like if we were just a community that was committed to releasing the potential? And how eager is just encouraging people for, you know, Joseph, uh, another guy in the Bible, Jonathan. We know David, King David is a great king, conquered a whole lot. But through the hardest period of probably David's life, where his life was on the line, where he was being chased down, persecuted, just the loyalty of Jonathan to stand with him. You know, encouragement can come through words, calling people forward. Sometimes it can just come through the loyalty of a friend to remain consistent. I know you're going through some stuff, but I'm here for you, man. The encouragement of encouragement can be words, it can be a spirit, it can be it can be an action, it can be a, just someone's presence in your world, but I can guarantee if for you to become everything God's called you to be, you need a Barnabas. But even greater, how would it be if all of us just committed to being Barnabas, to being Jonathan, getting in people's worlds and say, I believe, I believe there's something inside of you. But I just want to finish on this, is, is really, I, like I said, no one's probably like, oh yeah, man, I've never heard of encouragement before. Uh, you're probably all like, yeah, okay, I realize I need to do that a little bit more. Uh, but uh, I want to just quickly look at, I was asking myself this, why don't I encourage more? Like, I, I hope that I'm an encouraging person, but, you know, if you realize the potential and the power with encouragement, ask yourself, why, 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 why don't I intentionally do this a whole lot more? And uh, I tried TED talking a whole lot of stuff to find out some of the science behind encouragement. I never, I didn't really find anything. I just found some encouraging stories. Uh, and, and there wasn't like anything. And so I was asking myself, why, why don't, why? And I, I, one thing I came to is, is probably just the disbelief for the strength of my words. That uh, somewhere in my mind, I don't think my words carry as much power as what my words actually do. We did a summer camp this year, first time in the South Island. And it was like the third day. And I was just walking out the door. And like this year 10 kid just came running up to me. And uh, he just goes, hey, man, can I pray for you? I just want to encourage you. I just prayed. It was a real anointed prayer. And I was like, God, I receive that. I receive that encouragement. But I was just like, man, here's this year 10 kid who has no idea, like, about me. We, we don't, like, we don't. But this is, like, oh, man, I'm walking out the door. He literally chases me down. I just love that inside of me. He's like, man, I've got something I've got to share with him because that's going to help build him. Just a like year 10, just out there to encourage and uplift. And I wonder how many times you've kind of sat in environments or seen people or looked across the room and been like, oh, man, I should encourage that guy. And then gone, oh, it's almost lunch. And then gone to lunch. And it's like... The spirits drop something in our spirit, but we don't really value how deep sometimes words can stick to people, both good and bad, and how much an encouraging word can cut through. You know, there's a scripture, Proverbs 30, verse 21, it says, under the three things the earth trembles, under, the, under four it cannot bear. The first one is this, a servant that becomes a king. About a year ago, I read this proverb and was like, what's that about? It's kind of dope if a servant, <laughs> a servant becomes a king. It's like the ultimate underdog story. And it's like Cinderella all over. Uh, and uh, I, I look up a commentary because I was quite confused by it. And, and one of the commentaries that talked about it said this. It said, the danger in a servant becoming a king is when you're a servant, your words carry little power. Your decisions carry little power. But when you become a king, now your words and decisions carry a lot of power. And a servant becomes a king but doesn't realize now the power of their words. They can have great destruction on the earth. Because when they're a servant, they 
And it's the same as us. We're, we're royalty because of the kingdom. We're royalty with God. Because of God, we have the, the, the living creator inside of us. So our, our words carry power. And I think sometimes we just dismiss, oh, it doesn't really matter if I say so. No, it matters. Just a simple word can shift a life. Just a simple word can break something open. Just a simple word can shift. In my mouth is the power to build somebody. In my mouth is the power to build somebody. The same thing is just the crowded, I don't know if the team can come join me up here, is the crowdedness of life. Just life gets crowded. You know, there's the old, old saying, you know, uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. That was an old thing. And uh, it was really pitched back in the day because it was like the metaphor is keeping up with the, keeping up with like the person on your street that's kind of got the most ahead. And so the, in your neighborhood, and you, you just had to try and like people that would work to try and keep up with the, either the, the healthiest, the richest, whatever it is, the best looking family on your street. Then, you know, in the 70s and, and, and stuff, that was great. It was like, I think now it's like, man, back then you only had to keep up with one family. That's awesome. Uh, now because of social media, uh, there's Joneses all over our world that I've got to keep up with. And with that comes such a selfish ambition to pursue, get mine, do mine, go after mine, make sure I'm good. And, and we can get so consumed with the selfish kind of, uh, not out of a bad heart or anything, just the desire to keep up with society. But that's where the cross needs to take effect in our life. And it goes, no, it's not actually all about you. Now you know Jesus. You're called to the one and others. And I got to sometimes lay, and there's sometimes where we just got to declutter and decrowd our life to actually stop and see others. That we're in work, it's not just about how can I get my next promotion, but how can I champion my colleague to get this? Not just how was the boss doing for me? What are you doing for the boss? How are you champion uplifting? How are you calling? And the last thing is just simply, in the day, I just think, well, I probably just need to develop my heart for people a little bit more. Is what I really came down to, praying to God, and just pray, God, I'll pray my capacity for people in 2019 stretches. My heart for them. Because if I care about them, I'll care about lifting them. I'll care about encouraging them. I'll care about moving them. You know, why don't, why don't we jump to our feet tonight? I was reading a passage in Scripture this morning about the Apostle Paul when he was standing before trial and he's standing before a king and some other rulers and he gets opportunity to defend himself and simply just tells his story about what God's done in his life. And the king stops and he says, Paul, do you think in such a short time you can convince me to become a Christian? Paul essentially goes, no. My prayer is that I can convince everybody that's listening to me to become a Christian. And just even in the midst of trial, great persecution, his heart in that room is just going, God, help all these people. You know, Paul writes to the, uh, the church and he says, you know, he's encouraging them to, to love one another like God taught you to. And in fact, you do all of God's, you do love all of God's family. But then he says, yeah, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to just do so more. I urge you to just grow in your love. 
grow in your heart for people. Grow in your capacity to encourage. Grow in your capacity to uplift. Grow in your ability to sometimes quiet in the crowd, realize my voice has power, and use it to lift and build and champion and move people forward. Correct and stand with people and be there with people. I just wonder, right across the room, eyes closed. Come on, that's you tonight. You're just saying, God, oh, in a moment, the team's going to worship because God can minister in this moment. But you're just in the room. You're just saying, God, this year, grow my capacity for people. Grow my capacity to love, to see, to expand, to encourage, to build. God, we have been so caught up in chasing after what I can get. God, I pray this year I'd be someone who just championed others to everything God's called them to be.